Hello, and welcome to the Vivolution podcast. Since starting in late 2016, Vivolution has been creating inspiring events for the plant-powered generation. Each episode of this podcast will share with you stories and ideas told by plant-based thought leaders from the Vivolution stage. In this panel discussion, tech entrepreneur Emma Sinclair, MBE, sits down with the founders of The Vegan Kind, All Plants, V-Bytes and UpCircle Beauty to discuss how plant-powered businesses can transform society. This In Conversation was recorded on the Eat Drink Vegan stage at Vivolution Festival 2018. We've got the green light to get going. Hi, everybody. So just welcome to the panel um, about the business of veganism. Um, I've got some short introductions to do about everybody, and then I'm going to just really ask a few questions and stop talking. So first of all, we've got Scott and Karis, who launched Vegan Kind in 2013, which has gone on to become the UK's leading retailer that aims to help people both go and stay vegan, shipping nearly 10,000 orders a month, I think yeah. you said, between your subscription bo- boxes and your um, supermarket orders. We have Anna Brightman, who launched Optiat in 2016. Three, this is what I read. Three months after initial idea to repurpose coffee into coffee scrubs, you took your products to the London Coffee Festival, sold out on your first day, and now stock all over the place, including Waitrose, Cult Beauty, Whole Foods, Planet Organic, and hundreds of retailers in the country. <laughs> um, JP? who founded All Plants, a B Corp food company making plant-powered living more accessible. From their London kitchen, they, they bring more plants onto plates across the UK, delivering award-winning chef-made meals to inspire us all to eat healthy and nourish the plants through great-tasting plant-powered food. And finally, Heather, who's the founder of the pioneering plant-based ethical vegan food company, V-Bites, which now exports to 24 countries, offers 560 plant-based products, and has won 80 awards, and set up V-Bites Ventures to help small plant-based startups scale up and avoid some of the mistakes that she made in the early years. My grandma lives around the corner from V-Bites. I've been eating there for most of my life. I'm a very big fan of your chicken barbecue pizza. So today we are talking about business, though, rather than the pizza that I like eating and all my snacks here. So I wondered if we could start off by all of you telling us a little bit about your businesses. Are you privately owned? Are you investment-backed? Did you start on your own savings? How did you start? So can we start with you both to tell everybody how the journey began? Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, we were like quite a lot of businesses, I think, from speaking to people here today and other events. Um, we were both fully employed and knew we had a you know a, a growing passion or movement into veganism, and just felt that we wanted to do more to contribute. Um, we'd heard of a lot of people that had, you know maybe tried hard to make the leap instantly away from employment into starting up their own business, and how big a struggle it is when you just li- literally you know throw your career away just in, uh, to follow your passion. So we, we decided to do do th- two things at once, which was to set up a business at, um, whilst working um, or two jobs at the same time to get the vegan kind off the ground. Um, so for the first maybe two or three years, we kind of bankrolled ourselves just through sheer blood, sweat and tears, you know, working every hour through the night, through the weekend uh, with two small kids at home. Um, so we've found ourselves in a position now where uh, five years on, we're still fully owned by ourselves. We've not had any investment yet. Um, that is something we're working on at the moment, um, but it keeps it simple in terms of conversations with investment because there's no um, other investors involved at the moment. It's just Karis and I and um, a lot of hard work to get to where we are just now. Amazing. Thank you. Anna? 
so Optiat is co-founded by myself and my brother. Uh, like these two, we were both fully employed in totally different jobs before launching our business. Uh, we had our idea, which was that we wanted to combat the issue of coffee waste uh, by making sustainable skincare products. Um, we moved quite quickly. The first way we tested that was to make our own, and then we took them to the London Coffee Festival. Uh, when we sold out on the first day at that, we both quit our jobs and went full force into the new business. Uh, in the early days, it was largely self-funded through our savings, a uh, bit of our parents' money as well. Um, and then we also got the Virgin startup loan, which was small, but it helped us get a foot out of the door. Uh, last year, we did a crowdfund, um, so we raised some money via that. And then we recently went on Dragon's Den as well, which was another way of getting some investment. Did one of the dragons invest in you? Um, yes, we had offers from Peter and Tuka and Tej, and then we took a joint offer between Tuka and Tej. Awesome. <laughs> JP. Uh, yeah, so uh, I actually jettisoned a career about 10 years ago uh, to start building ventures uh, from scratch. So I didn't do the sensible thing and kind of tipped him <laughs> away in. Um, and you and didn't do the quit after one day at a time. I think that's really Pirate. sensible as well. <laughs> I, I like that. Um, and, and, and yeah, early 2016... My brother and I, Alex, uh, had been eating and living a vegan lifestyle for a while, and we very quickly started to realize that it was just such a hassle uh, to eat delicious and healthy food when you're out and about, or when you're busy and at home and tired, and or had kids to take care of, or Netflix to watch. Uh, and so we were like, you know, what can we do to, to try and solve that? And it started with supper clubs, and we were completely bootstrapping, put all of our uh, savings and time, and pulled in so many favors uh, uh, in the first year and a half to kind of get ourselves going. Uh, and then we realized that actually the best way to reach and help people was by uh, creating that food and then making it available to anyone all over the UK and using the power of the internet uh, and the magic of Frozen, which uh, if you aren't into or you haven't tried high quality Frozen uh, food, whether it's desserts or fruits or meals, uh, it's an incredible, incredible way to reduce waste, increase the nutrition in your food uh, and make it really easy to get it to doorsteps all over the UK. So we were doing that and then it was actually about a year and a half ago that we realised at the point where we were pretty much out of all of our own money uh, that we needed to treat this like any other venture that we'd built before um, and so started to look at raising external investment. The key thing that we decided to do before bringing in anyone else as an owner in the business was that we needed to instill our values into the organization. Uh, and that was a really big decision to say, right, we're going to be a B Corp. Uh, and yeah, from the, from the beginning, it actually very quickly meant we screened out a lot of people who thought, yeah, yeah, this is really interesting. This is could be a really high growth business area. And they say, oh, but why are you doing that B Corp thing? That's going to cost a lot of money. It could make it quite difficult for us to make a profit. And we we're like, yeah, no, that's, that's the point. We want to do things right. Um, so we've used that as a really powerful filter um, and it's helped us to raise around $10 million now, but only from people who really understand uh, the mission that we're trying to build Amazing. Towards. We'll dig deep into that in a minute. And Heather, how about your journey? Well, I'm kind of double the age of this bunch here. So my journey um, before I was vegan 25 years ago was uh, my first business was stick on bras. So I don't know how vegan they were because they don't exist anymore. And um, I was lucky that that was successful, but the next three businesses were not. And that's very important to know. 
um, you have a lot of failures to get success as long as you learn from those mistakes. A bit like uh, working out good boyfriends, you know, eventually <laughs> as you get older. Have you had any good boyfriends or bad boyfriends? Um, I've had a lot of good boyfriends that I didn't realise at the time and I've had a lot of bad ones that took me a long time to get rid of. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> So, back to veganism. So back to veganism. Well, I did make them vegan. I suppose that was the best bit yeah, of me it. Too. But um, I, obviously, some of you will know, became vegan because of an accident. And I was raw vegan for a few years. And then I missed it. So I set up uh, food. I was arguing with scientists for a long, long time. But I had no education. I had no qualifications. And I only took qualifications to have the lettering afterwards to argue the stuff I already knew. It was kind of like a waste of time because I already knew it. And I decided to make plant-based products. So I did soya, pea protein, and coconut-based products a long time ago. Um, but the world wasn't ready for the more expensive ones. So I basically kept them at soy, but had all the recipes ready for when the world was ready for them, coconut-based, for pea protein-based. We now have, I thought we only had 104, and when we went through it, we've got 540. And I know that sounds mad, but what happens is you get your best sellers and they keep going, but then we do new product development for, for different countries that want weird things like blood sausages and all bratwurst and queso schnitzels and weird things. So, um, but we're in 24 countries now, and then I, didn't want people to make the same mistakes that I made um, on the journey, and that was literally just putting absolutely everything into it, you, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I haven't actually slept for three days for the last three days, which is another story. Um, so that's what you've got to be prepared to do. Don't even bother going into business unless you are willing not to sleep for a long time. And, um, You're self-funded, Heather, so just to get... But I'm, I'm self-funded. Sorry, that's why I'm sort of zombie waffling. You'll have to keep... It's good no, we no, got the moderator because I am exhausted. But yes, I was self-funded because I started my first businesses when I was very young. 80% um, of all my money goes to charity, to countries that don't have the privileges that we have, um, so we can feed them. And um, I set up a V-Bytes Ventures thing a couple of years ago after doing speeches where I saw really bright-eyed youngsters with their dreams of doing business. And I was like, oh, OK, well, let's try and help them and guide them fund them, make sure they keep the higher percentage of their company, put them into our distribution channel and um, be like the mothership to help them not make all the mistakes that we make. So we now have eight V-Bytes Ventures and another uh, 15 that will be announced over the coming months. And, um, and then I've just bought another 400,000 square feet of factory to put them all in so that we can have the plant-based valley of, New of Newcastle. So if anyone else still wants to do a startup, then just go on V-Bytes Ventures and put your info in there. Don't grab me on the way out, because I'll probably fall asleep. Um, and basically, cool. that's what we're doing. Amazing. So just we've got sort of a good half an hour to chat and some time for questions from the audience. But I just want to dig deep into the money point. I mean, I can speak for myself and say that it doesn't matter how big or how small your business is, how many times you've done it, it's just never an easy path to either raise money uh, or indeed find debt. Because I mean, we talk a lot about raising money, but actually, you know, there's a, a, a great case for keeping hold of your equity and, and, and funding it yourself or through debt or through <laughs> a, a collection of other means. So a couple of, uh, you gave us some background um, and then you said you're also thinking about the future. 
So is there one thing you can share with the audience that was sort of something you are absolutely sure was a, a right thing that you did where you came under pressure, a lesson you've learned from something that wasn't quite right? Um, and what's on the horizon for the sort of next 6, 12, 24 months? Um, so I think... Uh following on from what Heather said, it's really important to know that not everything that you do is going to be successful. Um, we obviously, the vegan kindness are a passion but we also um, tried to sort of do another side venture which is coconut oil. Um, so we started up our coconut oil brand which is called Coco You which I absolutely loved and it was fantastic but the coconut oil market was saturated and it was a lot harder to break into than we anticipated it was going to be so um, we decided to make the decision to cut our losses and wrap that up and focus on the vegan kind but it was a really good experience we learned so much from it um, and I think the thing that we learned at that point in time is when to decide okay that's enough from that one I'm going to focus on something else that we know is sort of the right path that we want to be on so that was definitely something it was a great failing, learning experience failing fast essentially which is something exactly. we talk about a lot in business yeah. you, you know sometimes you have to just say no yeah, yeah exactly and what about the next kind of 6, 12, 24 months what's on the horizon clearly there are some things brewing that you might want to, not want to tell us about yet but um, you're thinking of taking financing why might you be doing that so so yeah I think as a, as a business you're right in terms of you know taking debt I think historically you know people when they hear the word debt you know it's you know sort of a negative or a bad thing but ultimately as an entrepreneur and as a business that's really the first type of money you want to get to you want to exhaust the, every single bit of debt that you can get and the point where you've ran out of your ability to get debt then you're starting to think about what other types of money you can get so we're still kind of in that at the moment we've got a bit of bank debt we've still got a couple of other places we can go to to get debt but the bigger we get, the more cash hungry the business is. It's just soaking up money all the time. So the figures that we start to talk about in terms of investment are starting to become huge. So we are starting to have different conversations with VCs who are asking different questions and everything's all completely learning curve. All the things we're talking about right now are all new, even though we're five years established and we think we're quite knowledgeable about our business. We're having to answer questions. It never, never ends, by the way. How much money you raise if you exactly. create a company on the stock market? Yeah. It never ever yeah. ends. But we're doing a crowdfunder just now. Um, so we've, we've launched that a couple of weeks ago. Um, and that's to help us Is move. It live now? It's live now, yeah. On, on which platform? Um, on Crowdfunder. Yeah. Nice, and how's yeah. it doing? Really well. So we've got about two, uh, nearly three weeks to go. We're about 60% funded, um, and that's to help us move. We're in a 3,000 plus a 1,000 plus we've got a fulfillment centre, and that's to help tie things together to move to a 12,000 square foot. And also part of the campaign is JC Deco will match any advertising spend that we that we put to it. So we're funding for 50. We'll spend 30 of that on an advertising campaign in London. A JC Deco will match that, so that'll give us 60k on advertising, and then we'll use the other 30 to help us relocate. And that'll allow us to scale up from about three. 1,000 products to 10 to 15,000 products and potentially moving to wholesale, but it means that we'll be able to rapidly scale up. So essentially, you've kind of taken it in bite-sized chunks, and you're now at a point where you really need to think about. We're ready to take off. I funding. feel it's just yeah, we really need to, we need some serious money involved so that we can actually go on and, and realise our full potential. The platform is there, the grounding is there. We've got developers that work for us now. We're a team of 13 people. We're established, but we're still constrained in a very small unit. But we know that we've got a huge social audience, a big following, you know, loyal sort of you know crowd with us. So it's just about harnessing all that and, and trying to get to that next level. So we're we're sort of using our crowd rather than going straight into the VC space until we really need to. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Anna, what about you? You mentioned that you had funded it with savings and a, a, a bit of um, the bank of parents. Mm -hmm. um, what, what, what's happening now? Where are you with that? Are you planning on staying self-owned? Uh, well, I mean, it's, we did our crowdfund and that was um, very successful for us. Um, but, go, but go back a step maybe for some people in the audience who are thinking about starting a business. Sure. When you left your job and you had a bit of savings and, and you had a lot of 
a lot of coffee that you wanted to make scrubs with. I mean, how, how did you turn that into packaging, into products that were sort of sellable? The thing is with, with our brand is we've only, we launched in November 2016, so we're still very young. We're talking two years. Um, still just a two-person business. We've moved very quickly and we've achieved a lot in a very short amount of time. Um, but we are constantly evolving and we're constantly looking back at what we've done and refining it, making it better. So when it comes to our first range, for example, the initial format that that came in, it was coffee scrub range. They were in simple aluminum tins, which me and my brother did a few sketches for the labels, um, had those printed quite quickly. And then we went into paper and then we went into, you know, all sorts of different things. And we're always um, changing them and refining them as we go. Um, as we've discussed, that obviously means that you do make errors. And we had such a success with the coffee scrubs that then moving on into different products, we equally, with the crowdfund money that we'd raised, uh, kind of went full throttle and didn't necessarily have the same amount of success, which can be quite expensive. The position we're in at the moment, uh, people are often quite shocked to find out that we still uh, are based out of our family home. Um, so that's not doable any longer. <laughs> it's quite ridiculous. Um, funded you, uh, we have ruined you it. Really and everything else. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> um, so we're, we're in a position where we're about to rebrand. Uh, we need to expand the team. We desperately need help. I can completely relate on never being uh, asleep. Um, so um, again, with the whole cash flow issue, that's something that's quite terrifying because right now we are scaling and the minimum order quantities for the new packaging solutions that we have are huge. The money involved is terrifying. Um, and of course, we haven't sold any of this stock yet. So we're getting huge, huge amounts of stock ready for a rebrand. Um, but that's all cash up front that we need to pay for before we can actually start selling it. So that's probably one of the biggest struggles that we're facing at the moment. Um, and no matter what investment you get, it just seems to fly out the door. <laughs> it does. Um, so yeah. Just an onward journey, I suppose. And just a, just a quick question. what, um, How long does it take you to make your products? Um, so the whole... Like why do you need to hold so much stock before you create a sale when the, the supermarkets and the shops all plan? Well, the, the, it's kind of a unique situation at the moment because... Um, the stock that we are making hasn't launched yet. Mm -hmm. So we're still functioning as the existing brand of Optia, and then the relaunch happens in about a week's time. But why have you made loads of, loads of stock of anything? If, if you plan your sales ahead, you can make as you go. Because uh, for so the print not. runs, for the packaging, for example, yeah. aluminium tubes, um, they will only fill them. a very different story, which I know a bit about just because, you know, bought your products, You've read your story. From I've, the early days. I've, I've tasted it absolutely from when you only had a couple a, a couple on your range. Um, you've taken, you know, VC funding and you're a B Corp. That's just, you know, for, for a vegan business, that just sounds very, um, that sounds very financially advanced. Can you talk to us about how it was when you went to the VCs and said, hi, we're running a vegan frozen food business? How did they respond? Because we spent a lot of time talking about... Do you want to say what they are for people who don't know all I'm these initials? I'm going to let okay. thank you. Yeah, so I, the, the first thing I was going to say before talking about that, just very quickly, is from what we're already all talking about, is that the most important thing is if you 
decide you want to build something, you need to decide or at least try and work out as quickly as possible whether you're trying to make it really, really big and try and have a really big impact or you're trying to make it kind of for yourself and that you want to do something and you, you enjoy doing that and you don't really desire to make it enormous. Um, if, you're, if you're looking toward the first instance where you want to try and make something really big, I think it's very difficult unless you've got unusual access to personal resources to be able to do that off your own steam. Um, and so we, we very frankly knew that from the start with all plants. Our vision is global and our vision is to, to inspire the next billion plant-powered people. And I'm not going to do that from a little bit of pocket change I can rub together just to start testing, run some supper clubs and build a kitchen. Um, so we knew that from the very beginning. And as a result, if you, if you know that and you want to try and race down that path, uh, you need to be very deliberate about trying to create outcomes that will uh, convince the right investors at each stage that what you're building has the momentum and has the potential to be incredible and to be truly the, the vision that you're hopefully casting and talking about. Um, and so for us, uh, for example, with the seed raise, um, we... How much did you raise when you started your seeds? So I mean, that, the thing is, it's quite easy to forget that like now you've raised like ten million dollars and it sounds really big. But you know, you started at a kitchen table, like like most people around here. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, Alex and I ended up putting in everything we had, which uh, when we pulled everything together was about 100 grand fully in, and then we didn't take a salary for the last two years. Uh, so we, we we've been kind of like fully fully putting all of that in. It's really like you're like, oh, I didn't plan that part. Uh, so we so we needed to raise money, and we went out to raise uh, 250k, um, which we were pretty confident we could get, kind of from friends and family and a little bit of uh, network. And we ended up raising 800k. And the reason that happened is that we'd focused really deliberately on getting something live that was nationwide as quickly as possible, and making sure the product was as delicious. Yeah, well, that, but that's the thing. When it's just you, you can have 
true values that you know that if it's just you who owns uh, something that you can try to keep the company caring about things like uh, where you source your ingredients from or what your packaging is made of and the fact that it can be all truly recyclable uh, and, and ensuring that everyone's well paid. Um, but as soon as you start having other people owning the organization, that can change very quickly if you're not careful. Uh, so we registered uh, the company as a B Corp. So it still means that we are a private company, limited company, um, but it adds literally to our legal charters a responsibility to the shareholder that goes beyond maximizing profit. Uh, alongside that, and at an equal level, you're maximizing returns for the environment and for society. Um, and uh, I mean, the, the whole ethos of B Corp is to turn business into a force for good. And there's a lot of people already doing that. I think uh, a lot of Heather's stories that I've heard over the years, and she's shared uh, many more particular war stories with me, are, are an amazing example of someone as an individual who's been doing that. Uh, but I would love to see every major company on the stock exchange or elsewhere adopt this into their doctrine where it's not owned by one person who can be visionary but where actually the whole company cares about the planet and cares about society yeah, um, yeah. I mean <clears throat> today our talk is how plant power business can transform society and I think you know B Corps are one way that can do that and you have a vegan business so you know you've got a bit of a halo going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, 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 it's, but it's a starting place. It is, um, absolutely. I mean, I, and and it's, I think it's important when you set out to try and create the right DNA uh, so that hopefully it can actually go on and yeah. perpetuate. And Heather, so... And it, it's also a balancing act because um, I don't know how much of your company you had to, to give up to get there and I applaud you for, you know, doing, doing what you've done and it, it, everything is a balancing act between idealism and realism, you know. I started off with huge ideals and was abused for it for, for decades and just hung on in there um, and didn't have to compromise because I found other ways to do it. So that was just a lot of luck and tenacity. That's not the normal way. The normal way is that you have to compromise a bit because really venture capitalists and, and big people, you know, if he wasn't doing well and making money, they wouldn't be interested. So that's where the balance comes in. They'll stay interested while you um, make money and um, and they're they're still human beings like us you know if they see that it's a great thing I know a lot of people that are in that industry who are fantastic people but if they're not the, the big big boss and you're not doing well it's just knowing that when you partner up with someone who's going to invest in you they're going to hang on in through the the bad times they're going to support you and it's much easier now to go into plant-based it's like yeah everywhere you go you know I've worked with ZZ's and Wagamama and all of the companies that you now see vegan menus with because and they're doing it because they see there's money to be made so I suppose my advice to startups would be you know if you've got a vision um, I don't believe in in getting yourself into horrific debt unless you're like me you're willing to live in a camper van for a few years if you don't attach yourself to anything monetary that you know if you've got it you, and you live by your means so I can live in a palace or I can live roughing it out camping you know I slept six months in Waterloo station here when I was 13 years old for six months so I've lived on every level so if you're going to go into business and you're going to be really successful you have to be willing to live like that you have to not be a moaner you know and going oh my god it's raining out 
outside. Oh my God, I got wet. And you just can't do that. You can't walk into a meeting and inspire people to want your product or by telling them why you're five minutes late for another 15 minutes. You know, it's, it's really about what are you willing to give up? What price are you willing to pay for your vision and your dream? And when you know that at the start, you don't panic when you see everything going wrong. And even at my level, which, you know, things go wrong every day. I have to be the calm head for my 400 staff who are my team players that I couldn't do this without when they're going, their bloody machines broke down and we just launched into Morris and shit, we can't get the other 3 million packets out. It's the same thing when she's got her order and she's going, we've got all this stuff and we can't bloody... It doesn't matter what level it's on as long as you remain calm and you know doesn't matter. I'm in my camper van if it all goes wrong. Heather, can I ask you a question about, about financing? I mean, so we've covered camper vans, which is very important, but to go to the other end, financing, I know that you, um, you know, you mentioned at the beginning through your ventures, you're, you're funding quite a lot of um, plant-based businesses. So, for example, when I go for venture capital, when you've been seeing people, when you took money from, do you take from Balderton? Uh, Octopus and Octopus, Absolutely. So, um, when someone comes to see you, what, what's the compelling, um, you know, you've obviously completely understood down the sector and food, but what what there are terms when you take investment. All investors have terms. Do you have a particular set of terms that are different to um, seed money? Well, What's different the, with the, you? The different thing for for us is 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 quite a number of things, and and um, and this is not me trying to sell our um, ventures because we've got at least a thousand people lined up who who want to do them. I'm not necessarily interested so much in the product because I think I've only in 25 years seen one product I haven't already been involved in making, developing, doing. I'm interested in the people because if those people are passionate and they've got um, pizzazz and, and energy to do all the Instagrammy things that I'm too old and forced to do when I go in and someone comes and takes a picture. Um, so that's where the movement is. You know, it's about the people. And, and, and I will sit with them and usually spend a week with them. And I also watch people. Um, we've got some more announcements in the next few weeks and you'll be like, oh my God, that's so great. That, that, that they really deserve um, to get where they got. So I invest in people, and what we bring that other companies don't bring is experience in the vegan world for 25 years, because there's not many companies out there that have it, distribution into 24 countries, um, scale up, um, the fact that supermarkets and everything basically know us for 25 years, so they feel, oh, they're under the V-Bytes umbrella. That means we're going to get the delivery, you know, and uh, BRC accreditation, kosher, halal. So the biggest advice I would give to people is when you put your pitch decks in, stop overvaluing your company. You know, that is the biggest thing that people do. They go, well, our projections are... Da, da, da. If you were talking and selling to someone naive, then... Um, yeah, try it, try it on. Try it on with your bank manager. He hasn't got a bloody clue about vegan. Give him a load of marketing pizzazz on a spreadsheet. See if you can get away with it. But with our company, I know exactly what the value of the company is and where it's going. And then at the same time, I want you to maintain the majority percentage of your company. But that means you've got to value it correctly. And what we're adding to it, which is added value, is the fact that if you get it from a bank, that's it. You're spending your half a million, whatever it might be. We've saved you 
half a million. The second you join us, because you don't have to knock on the doors of the buyers, you don't have to set up the distribution, you don't even have to do the manufacturing. You know, it's like, it's, there you go, now just get on and promote the heck out of it and make sure your products are in line. So that's the difference between banks, venture cap capitalists and us. Thank you. Um, so. I think when I sent all of you a list of questions about today, one of the things we talked about was that 2018 felt a bit different. Maybe veganism has become a bit cool. I mean, I've, I've been vegan for about, um, I think you said you've been about 25 years. I've been vegan about 20 years. I mean, until recently, I couldn't get a, a, a cookie anywhere on the high street. Um, tell us a little bit about perhaps why, has this year been different for you? What are you noticing? Has it been an opportunity or have you seen more threats because you've got more competition? How's that working for you in terms of changes and shifts in, in consumer habits? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely 2018 has felt like the year of the vegan. There has been so many amazing new launches. And as vegan businesses, um, it's amazing to see that because the more vegan products that are out there, the more people are encouraged to go vegan. Um, but on the flip side of that, obviously, as a vegan independent business, it can be quite scary to see the rise of availability in vegan products because, obviously, for us, we what we wanted to do is get vegan products out to everybody. The easier that they are to get, the more difficult it can be for us, which is why we have to constantly be making sure that we are looking at other ways to kind of future-proof the business side of it. But from a personal side of view, as a vegan, it's incredible to see the, the range of products that are and available. what are you focusing on, your subscription boxes? or your supermarket business, or both? Yeah, both really. I mean, it's a two-pronged. I mean, so what's kind of been a big success for us is the subscription boxes gen generally do help people go vegan. That's what we get told all the time. It's like having a birthday every month. I just didn't know there was all these new products appearing all the time. And from that point, people then come onto the supermarket to make their regular purchases. But it's the fact that we've got that recurring income from the subscription boxes. You know, we've got a sizable amount of capital that's coming in every single month. But that really is just fuel for the supermarket because it's the growth area of the business. It's that that's growing exponentially. Um, but they feed each other because every supermarket order that goes out, we send a flyer and it to ask people to go and uh, subscribe to our subscription boxes. So as one grows, the other grows with it. So we're not really necessarily specifically focusing on, focusing on one, um, but with the growth of the supermarket, the subscription boxes have continued to rise as well. So it's been good. Amazing. And, and one particular problem that it might have brought, have you had any particular problems this year where growth has sort of hindered you? I know you were looking at properties and had challenges. Yeah, that's been a nightmare. So, yeah. So this, this year we've had um, two commercial properties fall Is through. That, for, and were you, were you previously, you've got a couple of offices now. Did you start in your homes for anyone that's sort of thinking of starting a business? Where, where did you start? Did yeah. you have a warehouse yeah. immediately? Or? No, no. We started on our kitchen floor. I, I always say it's the kitchen table, but it was actually the floor. <laughs> the first picture of me with the first ever vegan came box. I'm actually sitting on the floor like holding up with everything sort of piled around the baby in a basket around the corner yeah, and there's a dog sitting there as well so it was literally from the kitchen floor um, and that was where we started and for the first few months that was it was okay like we were tripping over things left right and centre at that point we were a young couple we were just in a flat so it was two stories up where we had to like cart deliveries up and back down and the postman hated it they were, it was just awful um, and very quickly we, we sort of realised that it was growing to the point where we were just tripping over things in the hall and there's pictures where we were sending out our monthly boxes where the entire living room was just like full of boxes ceiling. yeah so at that point we had to make the scary decision to say okay we're going to move it from being this sort of small lifestyle business to actually taking on commercial property um, and we took on a small property and uh, it was a thousand square foot to us it felt massive when we walked in I was like we're never going to fill this how, how are we going to do that um, and
and then it just grew from there and that was obviously we were only in there for a year before we then had to scale up to the one that we're in at the minute um, which was three times the size which again we walked into it and thought oh my goodness this is just massive and then really quickly we're now at the point where we desperately need to move out of the one that we're in how many how many square feet do you need um, well at the minute we're in 3,000 square foot plus a thousand square foot um, just for the supermarket and our subscription boxes are actually filled entirely separately um, at a different centre. No, I'm saying how many do you need if you were in one spot? Um, well, we're going for 12,000 is the one that we're looking okay. for. Well, we should yeah. talk because we've got 100,000 square feet free at the moment. The pro <laughs> pro problem is for us, I guess, we want to get the business need to remain in Glasgow. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So. I was about to say, yeah. it might be a bit hard. of a situation yeah. issue. Yeah, tempting. Yeah. 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 I'd say that's one bit of advice just for anybody that is in business at the moment. You know, that outsourcing the packing of our subscription boxes was a huge operational change for us. Um, we, we really resisted letting go of that part yeah. of the operation because we were so proud of it and we wanted every box to go out with the same love and care that we shut it with. But it became unsustainable. But finding that right partnership for them to do it, they receive, you know, five to seven thousand times eight products every month decant it all take all the cardboard pack it all ship it all for us and what a weight and they, they're in a huge facility so as we grow we're not worrying about oh god do we still fit in this unit they can grow like four times the size we are now before they even think twice about you know mentioning it to us so, so it's been an opportunity but it's been a bit of a threat because you've had issues finding new properties yeah. issues letting go so it's, it's but but overall it's a good year it's amazing, amazing. Yeah, yeah 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 we're about to take on this new unit now we've already got two-tier racking system already paid for manufactured built we've got a uh, fridge uh, which is about five times the size of the one we operate we're moving into frozen goods we've ironed out all that we know I everything we're doing not the same frozen goods as JP no no no, 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 no we're, not we're, 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 all, we're all plant purchasers we, we, we do, subscribe we yeah. subscribe to all plants yeah. <laughs> just checking <laughs> they send detailed feedback <laughs> <laughs> Good. That could have been awkward. <laughs> and tell us, you know, so again, for you, your business is, is a lot younger than some of the businesses mm -hmm. here. But and, and, you know, probably coffee is slightly removed in some ways from a vegan subscription box or vegan food. But, you know, are your customers predominantly vegan? Do you find that the coolness of vegan is, is impacting you? What's yeah, going on I for mean, you this year? I think it's been really interesting being in the beauty industry. Uh, adverts that I can remember seeing for, well, as long as I can remember, from the huge companies, you know, uh, L'Oreal, Neutrogena, Maybelline, these huge makeup and beauty brands. Never have I ever seen them care about cruelty-free or vegan and things like that until maybe the last year to two years max. Um, so that's been interesting to see these words start creeping in increasingly in you know, TV adverts that are constantly being thrown into your, your sitting rooms. Um, but I think what comes along with vegan is a wider interest in ethical concerns and that's what helps our business so as a business that's entirely based on repurposing and a circular economy um, one of our major concerns when we started out was well is this a good idea to try to create a beauty brand challenging people's conceptions of what we're considering as waste you know associating beauty and waste and trying to make people rethink that is uh, potentially <laughs> a big task um, so the rise in the interest in veganism has massively helped that because people are, are broadening their perspectives, their horizons, and uh, are much more willing to, uh, you know, consider putting used coffee grounds on their skin uh, in a way that I don't think that that would have been something that we would have been so bold to do maybe five or ten years ago. I don't think the opportunity would have been there. Awesome. Very exciting. And JP? By the way, the coffee scrub is awesome if you is haven't why, tried it. Is it why your skin looks so shiny today? <laughs> yeah, I use it daily, obviously. Um, 
Are you asking about like the change? Yeah, I mean, that's... you know, I, I don't know about the audience, but for me, definitely, it feels like a turning point. I can, you know, get yeah. hold of a lot more product. I'm not the weirdo at the dinner table anymore. You're still which, weird, Emma. Well, that's <laughs> in your own way. But that's for other reasons yes, that we yeah, can get into yeah. separately. Um, so, so, so yeah, I guess, I guess the the thing I would say just to build on what we, that we've already heard is that actually, at least personally, and and at, and at all plants, we don't really think of. 2018 is the year of the vegan per se. Um, it's certainly in a completely different landscape to when uh, three years ago now that we started thinking about this, when all of our family and friends just thought uh, my brother and I had become hippies. And uh, aside from the sandals, they were like, "What on earth is wrong with you?" Um, and you know, how many the, how many products did you launch with then, and where are you now? So so six little handmade uh, two serves, and I don't, I don't know, if, guys, do you remember what number of recipes were on now? Is it 18, right? I get I lose count because we're already ahead thinking about uh, January, February, March. But uh, yeah, so 18 that we do in two serves and one serves. Um, and there's a lot more coming, which we're very excited about. Uh, but I guess for us, it's less about the year of the vegan and it's more just the year of flexitarian or we call it plant curious and yeah. that's what's exciting yeah. you know and, and what we found in our first year we only launched last year in 17 and I presumed and that we were only going to be really serving people who are vegan uh, because that's whose problem we're really here to solve and uh, that's, that's who's going to pick us up and, and want to be part of what we're doing and at the end of the year because we were always uh, talking to everyone and surveying everyone um, we un had found out that over 60% of all plants subscribe were not vegan or veggie at all. Uh, and that was amazing because they're not just people trying us, but they're regulars. Yeah, uh, so, so the change that we're seeing is that it's becoming far more broadly uh, explored as a lifestyle. And it doesn't mean people are going to make the uh, binary and bold choice to completely strip everything out. But that's not what we need right now to make change happen. We need instead everyone just to embrace a little bit more plants and a little bit more consciousness in all of their decisions, whether it's around cosmetics, or food or anything else that we do. So Awesome. Yeah. And a last question. So, Heather, you've been kind of ahead of the curve for quite a long time. You know, you've been eating vegan, you've been making vegan, you've been producing vegan, you've had a store. Um, do you feel Do you feel a change in the last year? Do you feel that the market's changed? Do you, are you a beneficiary of the fact that most of the major supermarkets, well, in fact, I know because I order some of your stuff on Ocado, but have you been a, a massive beneficiary of this sort of tidal wave of broader habits people being interested in vegan food yeah i mean it's it's been down to a core group of people you know and um, you know people like juliet galatoly viva you know all the different animal charities that have raised awareness over the years and um and it's the millennials and and and, and their kids that are really pushing the movement since you know i always always oh my god i hate the internet because people you read so much rubbish on it but it's if used in the right way that awareness has become huge and really, the only reason it's become absolutely gigantic are because companies have sold for huge amounts of money, like Quorn sold, you know, for 550 million to Mondinison in the Philippines, and then Dea Cheese um, that I met in 2009 at Expo West, and, and they turned and went, oh shit, her cheese is better than ours. And I just turned and saw two hippie guys, and I went, cheese, cheese, or vegan cheese? And they went, vegan cheese and I went well where are you and they're on this little table and they're an inspiration and they were just doing their little cheese and I said well we're not coming here for 10 years so I can help you with that and they sold for 320 million last year and then Field Row sold a sausage and a bit for 120 million so they're huge figures but because those things have happened it's become big business so all of the 
companies have woke up and gone, oh, this is not a trend. This is the future, finally. And, um, and the more we keep putting that message out, the more people will want it. And the more products that you replace, like for like, because I had a lot of opposition when I did meatless meats, fish and dairy. Now people just starting to accept that there's that bridge and you've got to get them over to it onto his products. But you've got to get them over, oh, sorry, you've got to get them over to it. So think broadly when you're making something for the masses, because that's what's going to make the change. And then also, you know, the small vegans are expanding rapidly and want certain things. So we're doing vegan makeup and, and vegan shoes and vegan anything. So I've just done vegan wine um, for in Austria that I've been developing for 10 years, not to get people to be drunk, but just basically to get people to have awareness of the fish protein and the egg album and, and all the refining agents that go in there. And big companies, uh, hedge funds are actually saying, well, what's not vegan in alcohol? And so if you, you know, I had a wish list and it was like, okay, start with food, then move to makeup, then move to shoes, then move to alcohol, then move to... So as long as you replace everything, which is my plan in the plant-based valley in Newcastle, so we have huge incubators and we can manufacture for everybody. So it's like a WeWorks at the front, everyone comes in, has their tables, and then we manufacture out the back for them and they come in and they check their products are absolutely perfect. And it becomes this, not hippie, Commute, commune, vibrant ecosystem. Yes, exactly. And we're even doing, <laughs> we're even doing eco housing around there. And I've got um, environmental planners and all sorts. So it'll be like the plant-based valley competition to Silicon Valley. That's the plan. <laughs> Sounds awesome. On that extremely exciting note, unfortunately, we can't go on forever. So could you please join me in thanking the wonderful panelists today? And thank you all for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us some positive feedback on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. By doing this, you'll be helping get messages about inspirational, positive, plant-powered living into people's earbuds. Till the next time, take care and we'll look forward to seeing you soon.